Welcome to the Long Lack Pentecostal Assembly Sermon of the Week. As a Christ-centered family, we serve our community and share God's love. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. We hope that it blesses and encourages you. Welcome to Long Lack Pentecostal Assembly, where we see ourselves as a peacemaking factory, a group of people that care much about the well-being of others. And uh, if you're visiting with us, I pray that you feel comfortable as well. Uh, We have a mission statement that we like to aspire to, which is as a Christ-centered family, we serve our community and share God's love. And it's fitting that we have kind of this new logo that just keeps kind of showing up. It's on our bulletin today, and it's up here on our slides. Uh, Pastor Jason has worked uh, hard to kind of put these things together to help us have an understanding of what our future looks like. And we really care about growth, not only physical growth in people as a group growing and filling our seats, but growth spiritually, growth where we actually step forward and we say, God, this is your land. You were here long before we ever were, and we reach others. And we did a sermon series on the harvest, on what that looks like and why we talk about the harvest and why the harvest is in the Bible so often. But uh, today, our, our focus is on the good seed. And we've been focusing on that uh, already for a little bit. In fact, uh, while I was away last week, Pastor Jason shared a message about the good seed, and he shared uh, a lot about the sower. So to start us off, we're going to read the scripture of the parable of the sower. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13? And I have some scriptures up on the slides today, but not the bigger chunks that we're going to continue to read. So if you have it in your Bible, that would work. Chapter 13, verse 1 to 8. As Jesus was sharing with uh, his uh, disciples and others around him, he started to teach in parables, which are stories uh, that relate in, in a way, like a metaphor. And as he taught this way, he would often use items that were around him. I know that Pastor Jason talked about this last week, where he would talk about people sowing in the fields around this exact time, and he would say, take the sower, for instance, and he would talk about something. So let's read uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 says this, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. I can't imagine preaching in a boat standing. That would be, that's hard. I'm on, you know. Either way, he did it, and this is what he did. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and other, and birds came and ate it. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. The good seed is this series, 
like I said, Pastor Jason shared about the sower last week. He talked about things like our calling as the sower. That you have a special calling on your life that is very specific to you, but in a broad sense, as a Christian individual, we're all called to be sowers of seed. And we'll talk about a little more what that means. I know we shared already. Not only are you called to go out and do a work, but you also have a responsibility. A responsibility to live a life that shows the work is good. See, here's the thing, and I talked about this a while ago, but Christians should not be portraying Christianity as horrible. And sometimes we do. We need to be people that demonstrate um, our lifestyle is actually a bunch of don'ts, 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 but instead it's actually a bunch of do's, do's, do's. We don't live by a set of rules that restrict us in this life. Rather, we live by a set of freedoms that release us into being what truly human means. Jesus taught us exactly what that's like. I don't understand how having the Almighty God, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, could actually mean we're restricted into not doing certain things any longer, that we can't be what we're supposed to be. And I know that a lot of people think that's what Christians are, but it's not. We get to be greater than we were prior. We get to work in God's kingdom and serve according to his purpose. So we need to be faithful in knowing God's will is to have us share his message. Today, we discuss a small portion of this parable when Jesus says a farmer went out to sow his seed as he was scattering the seeds. Some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. So let's first talk about the good seed because you need to understand that the seed is good. So as a sower, again, we're going to now take this metaphor apart The seed is the gospel message of Jesus Christ, what he has done for this world, okay? What Jesus has done for you, him dying on the cross for your sin, him rising again from the grave to prove not only he conquered death, but also sin, those were related. And his lifestyle and teaching we can now carry on into our lives today. So this message of the world needs freedom, needs Jesus, is the seed, the good seed, okay? And that, that specific message is what we as sowers plant and scatter everywhere. Now, one thing, I was just talking about this with Reggie this morning, and I love what she said, that the sower is not specifically planting in a certain area down a row He is broadcasting. He is spreading the seed out. Because as sowers, we are people that need to take this good seed. It's perfect. We don't need to make sure, oh, is the seed wrong? Is something wrong with it? The gospel message is pure and wholesome. We need to just share that with anything and everyone. Okay? Just to allow that to cast out. And not be afraid of where it lands. I'm going to talk about where it lands today. But we need to be people that broadcast and allow that to go. Now, that being said, we can often find ourselves debating in churches about methods on which we should be sharing about Jesus. 
Now, there are some crazy Christians out there. I'm not going to lie. There are people who are, you know, soapbox preachers, people who stand up and say, you know, you know, the, the end is right now, and they pick a date, or, or they, they, they yell at people. You heard me tell stories before of a friend of mine, we'll call him an acquaintance, actually, uh, who uh, ran after a guy down the street saying, you need Jesus, and he started screaming in his face, and then he started screaming, God bless you, God bless you, into his face, because he felt like that would help him. And all I can see that doing is hindering that that poor person. Because now he sees Jesus as a scary, maybe violent person. And he doesn't want anything to do with that. So, don't get me wrong. There is such thing as a crazy Christian. We don't want you to be crazy. We want you to be understanding and work in wisdom. I preach wisdom a lot because of that. But, don't forget to sow the seed. Because the seed is good. Seed is very good. And how you do it usually bridges on relationship. This is the sower's land, right? Bridges on relationship. But remember, the gospel message of Jesus Christ as Savior of the world is completely and totally good, and there is no need to edit it whatsoever. Does that make sense? Awesome. You gonna grab people and shake them and say you need Jesus? Good. All right. So the path. Let's talk about the path. The path is hard and the seed doesn't take root to it. It just sits there. So the path represents those that reject the message you share to them. This is very common in our world today. It really, really is. Many people don't want to be told that uh, there is a better life or a different life or uh, anything even beyond the grave. They just want none of it. They want what they have now because they actually work so hard to build it. And you can talk to a teenager or, a, or younger all the way up to an adult or a senior or someone. They all have felt that they've established something they know and they don't want to get out of that box. Right? And many of you, maybe you're in that box right now, or maybe you were in that box until you realized there is a better life and there's something out there beyond what you've created for yourself, because God creates for you, and you, you've realized that. But when you share the gospel message to people that are like a path, they're people who just want to reject anything new and different. You could be sharing stuff about Scientology to them or about Wicca. They just don't care. They got their life. Keep everything outside of what they know away from them. That's what they want. We, Pastor Jason and I, did a project with uh, Christology. We made some friends doing that, uh, where we took a video camera and we interviewed people. Don't worry, I'm not showing a clip. I did that actually a long time ago. Uh, where uh, we, we took a video camera and we asked people three questions. I only remember the two. One was, who do you say Jesus is? And I think the last one was, do you believe Jesus has a place in our culture? Do you remember the second one? Me neither. Those are the two important ones, though. And as we asked these questions, we said, who do you believe Jesus is? They would tell you whatever. But the last one was a big one. This was our thesis. This was the thing that we really wanted to get out of people. We interviewed some Christians, some non-Christians, people on the street, anybody there was. And when we talked about, do you believe, or, or do you believe that Jesus has a place in our culture today, 
um, amongst the non-Christians and even some of the Christians, which I was shocked about, said, no, I, I just don't see him fitting in anymore. I think we should let that go. Weird. Especially with some of the Christians. There's only like two. I think they were going through a hard time debating a few things. But uh, with the non-Christians, I, I specifically remember this one, uh, uh, this one girl we interviewed on the street. She said she's not religious and she, doesn't, she sees that the world is actually removing religion from it day by day, which I do see is true. We're trying to pull that away. We took the prayer out of schools. Um, eventually, we're going to be taking you know, anything to do with God at, off of our money and uh, all of that. We're just going to, I, I can see us being a world where anything religious is gone because to them, religion, all it means is wars, right? That's what our, uh, that's what our world thinks. So when she said, yeah, we're removing religion, and she's really okay with that. She's cheering it on. Let's get rid of that. Let's just live and die and stop worrying about everything beyond. Let's not worry about what happens to your soul, to your spirit, and everyone else. And that was then quite shocking because it hurt. Of course, I'm someone who loves and cares about what Jesus wants to do for others, for myself, and to hear that from someone was like, oh, wow, okay. But she was a path. And when we gave her this seed or talked to her about the seed, she rejected it because she just wants to understand her world. Right? She just wants to know it. And I don't know if you're aware of this yet. I hope you are. But you will never fully understand this world. And as much uh, as I can preach and teach you about this book, the Bible, and I can give you information, I love teaching. I'd be more of a teaching pastor than a motivating one. And I know that's part of my calling and who I am. But in doing so, you will never fully, completely understand God in his fullness. You're not supposed to. And that's okay. That's the peace that passes understanding. Have peace in not understanding everything to its full completion. Now, do I believe that we can understand more than we do currently? Yes. We can exponentially grow to a state where we have new revelation of God for our lives and for others around us. You will always grow from this day forward if you seek it. But your revelation will continue and continue and continue until you meet him face to face and all becomes clear. Amen? This reminded me of a scripture. This is John 3, 19 to 21. And it says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. To work that into a sentence, people reject Christ because they love their sin and they hate having it exposed by God's light. Now the thing is, God doesn't always expose your sin to everyone around you. They don't want their sin exposed to themselves. People don't want to know that they're hurting themselves. They want to feel like they're doing fine. 
And until they read about, oh, that one thing that you really love doing, that's your pleasure in this earth, is actually something that's hindering you, no one wants to hear that, right? And you'll meet a lot of people in the church, out of the church even, that take that one thing and they want to try to work it to, to, to fit into their lifestyle. Bible says don't do this. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not like replacing Jesus and it, you know, that's the, an Old Testament thing and, and, and it's got this other stuff and, and they work it around They'll do anything they can so that their sin isn't illuminated to them. And it might be to others. Now, that being said, there's a lot of things in Scripture that people can read and say, look, it's wrong, and that you can gain an understanding of the culture and the time and studying God's Word to realize what God was actually really trying to say to the people. But... I always like to take the Bible at face value. I read it, I see what it says, and the first rule of hermeneutics, which is interpreting the Bible, is what it says is what it is, right? That's the first rule. So let's start there. And then we can dig deeper, understand the past, understand the culture, and learn more about God. If you are here and you have not accepted or believed that Jesus rose from the dead, and is alive and well today for the sake of granting you forgiveness of sin and everlasting life, I would suggest that you, I would suggest you to stay away from the idea of being like a path. Try anything else, but don't be so stuck in the box mentality and that sealed mindset that what you know is all there is and that's all you want. There's more to this life and I just want you to, to, to try it. There's nothing wrong with the word try. People say, thou shalt not test the Lord your God. Yeah, that's scripture. But when he says, test me in this, that I am faithful, we can do that. We can do that. Amen? Let's talk about some birds. That's a blue jay. I didn't take it, and I feel like I want to start doing bird watching because I like pictures of birds. They're cool. Get a little book and check them all off. That'll be fun got to find more outdoors things. I'll just sit in my house and get paler and paler if I don't. Uh, so the birds, we had the path. We know what the path is. The path is where the seed is rejected. But the birds, when the seed falls on the path, it is easy for birds to come by and steal it away. This reminds me of the Lord of the Rings when uh, Gandalf is talking to Frodo in his little hobbit hole. They find the ring and he says, keep it secret, keep it safe. And when he comes back after months to years being away, which in the movie's like a few minutes, but in the book, it's a long time. He comes back and he says, is it secret? Is it safe? And he wants him to know if, if the ring has just been in his possession. And I, I, it just comes to mind because are we storing away God's word in our hearts so that it is secret and safe? Not secret in the way that you're not sharing about God, Remember, we're the sower, we share. But secret in that the enemy can't steal it from you, that it is yours. That no bird or other religion or new age idea or whatever else can just remove that from your life. So many people are waiting for the next big thing. 
They want to hear a sermon where they realize, hey, I can kind of do whatever I want. I can kind of have this piece of my life. I can have that piece of my life. I can build my religion my way. People are waiting for that. They're looking for that. And when they hear the new age, special, spiritual, new thing, they want to grab onto that and they'll start releasing their fundamental truths as they do it. And this is like a bird taking the seed away from them. They'll run away from things like that. How influential are we that we could be swayed by the truth? Let's read Deuteronomy 11. Verse 18, it says this. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Did you know? I know some of you already do. But did you know that Jewish people to this day still wear phylacteries on their head and on their hands where they write scripture and the scripture is there. So that way they see it and others see it. So I know that I'm a Christian and I'm following God's commands. Other people know I'm a Christian and I'm following God's commands or Jewish, and they do it for that reason, so that they never forget. They never are swayed any other way, because everyone notices, and I notice. I'm not saying tie little boxes to your hands and forehead and put scriptures in them, or other cool little keepsakes. What I am saying is this. We need to be people that every day remind ourselves what's going on. We need to check our hearts and make sure scripture's still in there, that God's love is still in there, that our Holy Spirit that dwells within each and one of us is someone we're communicating with. It's not like a genie in a bottle that you just rub and there he is, let's talk a little bit and then go back away. No, he's, he's here with us today that's through every aspect of our lives. And we need to, need to remember that. We need to be like King David. In Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Having the truth within you, in your heart, on your mind, helps you discern the lies. Helps you to not sin or do anything against God's will because you just know the truth so well. Does that make sense? You don't need to dabble in the lies to figure them out even more when you know the truth. I'm going to end this portion with a reading of Scripture because it just says it so well. Just so well. And I love it when I can do that. I don't need to preach this. I just need to read this. This is Hebrews 10, 10 to 18. And you can look that up in your Bible with me if you have your Bibles with you. Lose my voice bit by bit. Hebrews 10, verse 10. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offer, offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, 
He sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are made, being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after, after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts will, I will remember no more. Verse 18, and where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Ain't that the truth? In conclusion, I want to mention that sowing to those that reject it. As the sower, it's good to know what you do when you approach a path. I have... I have some friends that uh, are, are really, really great at building the relationship and wanting to reach people for Christ. And uh, they try to till the earth kind of thing, right? Work with them, build the relationship, plow, get things ready, so to speak, and soften their hearts for the word of God. And then they share the good seed, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And at times, the people will reject, they'll run away, they'll forget or seem to forget, and, and you'll want to pursue them. I, I have at least a couple friends that carry the burden of the lost on their heart, and I think we all should carry the burden of the lost, but they can do it to an extent where they actually are, are really hurting themselves as well. We need to be confident in the good seed. We need to know that what we've sown, we pray over, and we say, God, Maybe allow the soil to be softened by somebody else who sows more seed, watered by somebody else, you know, nourished by somebody else, so that maybe it takes root and catches and flourishes into something grand. But if you are um, speaking, preaching, teaching, and loving on someone who is a path, then know that it's not your fault. It's not something you've done wrong. Uh, the seed is good, and you are good. It's a time where you pray that God would work in their lives. Maybe find another method to till that earth. Build the relationship. Don't just focus on uh, the one special message. Maybe there's something that they want you to hear that you haven't heard yet. And if you want them to listen to you, you need to listen to them. And that could be a big portion of it as well. So I wanted to share that with you. Don't allow yourself to be swayed by the next big thing. Nothing beats God's power to save us from sin and death. We need to accept his truth and trust him today. Amen, church? Amen means so be it or yes, I agree. Um, would you stand? I want to pray over you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty king. Mighty God, I first want to thank you for giving me a voice today. And I, you know I love preaching and singing, and you've, you've allowed me to do that. So thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray that uh, those that are here today would feel your presence and be blessed by your word, by our time focused on you. And God, 
specifically, I want to pray for three things. First, I want to pray for the confidence to share your message. Let that flow through this building, that we would be people that just want to share your message with those that don't know you. And if we share with those that do know you, then we found a friend. We found someone that we can uh, build, uh, build each other up together, Lord. We can do that, and, and I thank you, Lord. God, I pray that, uh, secondly, for those that reject your word, these path-type people, I pray that you would soften their heart, get them out of their box mentality that their world is the only world, and I pray that you would allow them to see that there is more. Um, You don't have to do this in a negative way. You do this in a wholesome way where they can see that there is something more special for them, and I pray that they do. And thirdly, Lord, for those who are whimsically seeking anything that satisfies, those that where the birds would take away the seed, God, uh, would you just allow us to be rooted in you, strengthened by you and your word, and and not want to focus on just anything that comes our way, but truly and wholesomely you. We ask all these things in your son's name, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay updated on all things LPA, find us on Facebook and our website at longlackpentecostal.com.